Well, good morning. My name is Corey, and I'm one of the pastors here at Trust. And uh, that song that you all just witnessed is, is one that is near and dear to, uh, to mine and my wife's heart. Um, and matter of fact, many nights uh, that song has ministered to us through some of the pain that we have gone through. Uh, right now, we're in a series called Pain Sucks. Last week, we talked about the pain of addiction. Today, we're going to we're going to dive in and talk about the pain of mental illness. And this is something that you've got to know that a lot of churches just won't address. A lot of people won't stand up and, and share about it, but, but we're a different kind of church. We're a church that likes to talk about things that really matter and things that we're really going through. And this is part of our story. And so today you're going to get a chance to hear uh, from my brave and beautiful wife. And uh, she's going to share some of the pain of mental illness. So will you all do me a big favor and welcome my beautiful, courageous wife. Mood disorders of varying sorts 
are the third most common cause of hospitalization. This is a hard one, guys. 20, or every day, 20 vets, approximately 20 vets, die by suicide. That's sad, guys. This is not just a problem in the U.S., but worldwide. According to the World Health Organization, one in four people in their lives in the world will be affected by mental and neurological disorders at some point. Depression, more specifically, is one of the main causes of disability worldwide. Now, I don't know about you, but I find these statistics quite alarming. And I think it verifies why we need to have this conversation today. So as we approach this topic, I think it's important that we have more of a clear definition of what mental illness is. So according to the Mayo Clinic, mental illness refers to a wide range of mental health conditions. Disorders that affect your mood, your thinking, and behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors. Now, let me pause here and say that this might be a foreign subject to you and one that you don't personally suffer with. For that, I am truly grateful. But as you know, based on these statistics, probably someone you know does suffer with this. So please allow my story to help educate you on how to be more empathetic. <clears throat> so for me, guys, depression started wearing its ugly head when I was in high school. I experienced mood swings like the average teenage girl, but mine was often more heightened. I was a perfectionist. I was active in school. I was active in sports, singing, clubs, youth group, 4.0 grade point average. But can I tell you, I often was dying inside. In high school, I started experiencing suicidal thoughts. It's important to mention that I followed Christ from a young age, so this was often confusing for me. I remember one time when I was in high school, a girl looked at me and said, Amherst, cheer up, life isn't so bad. But little did she know the thoughts that were going on in my head and how I didn't want to live. You see, I became a wonderful actress from a young age, not really feeling like I could express my emotions with anyone. Can anyone relate to feeling that you have to pretend to fit into society sometimes? Having a smile on your face when someone asks you if you're fine and you're really not? I was on a roller coaster of emotions, feeling good one moment, the next, and normal in between. And can I clarify, is there really such a thing as normal, guys? We all have our stuff. I had this conflict in my head with God and often thought, what is wrong with me? No one really knew how to help me, nor did they try anything other than prayer. I often felt like I was a failure as a Christ follower. Like the fool, the psalmist in the Bible referred to, that was me, and I felt lonely. 
met in college and we first started dating, he became aware of my struggles. And for the first time I sought out professional help, he encouraged me to, through counseling. But can I tell you guys, that was only the beginning of a long process. <clears throat> when Corey and I got married, it definitely took a toll on a marriage. Even though Corey was aware of my struggles, he didn't know how to respond to me. So he often got the brunt of my pain, which is very unfair to him. I learned that he can't be everything I need, only God can. And with such heightened emotions ranging from anxiety, despair, and having a hard time controlling my tongue when I'm angry, it was a tough road ahead. Maybe you can relate. I have come a long way, but I still sometimes get overwhelmed and upset over things that logically most people would not. At times I would even become verbally and emotionally abusive towards Corey when I was upset and say things I didn't mean. With such strong emotions, you see logic is often thrown out. And I would often feel like I was a monster. Corey, more times than I can think of, has stood by my side when I was shaking uncontrollably or overly anxious or suicidal and wanting to take those bottle of pills in front of me. One time we went to a mental health center to try to check myself in when things were really bad, but at that moment I was not suicidal so they wouldn't take me. Um, on a side note, sometimes the mental health system is really quite horrible for helping people like me. Um, but don't get me started on that right now. <laughs> I, it wasn't until a few years ago, when we were desperate, that I went to a psychiatrist and finally got a proper diagnosis of bipolar type 2. Now let me explain what bipolar type 2 is because I only knew of one type and I knew that wasn't me. Bipolar type 2 ranges from periods of hypomania, which is a little bit more mild form of mania marked by elation and hyperactivity. So, for me, it often looks a tad bit more like I'm more motivated, I'm a little bit more talkative, wanting to be more social, or even more irritable. Um, it arranges from that, periods of depression, which can be just simply being unmotivated that day, or severe depression, to periods of feeling normal, and like I said, are any of us really normal? According to Bipolar Hope magazine, People with type 2 bipolar spend an average of 40 to 1 in depression compared to 3 to 1 for type 1 bipolar. In other words, guys, I get all the lows and not very much of the highs. So when we received this proper diagnosis, it was a range of emotions. And on one hand, there are so many negative stereotypes about this, and on the other hand, it was actually empowering because we knew what we needed to fight. You see, when you don't know what you're up against, you don't know how to fight it properly. So now we treat it like an illness. Corey started to realize the severity of it and how he needed to come alongside me and be a team. And just on a side note, guys, nine out of 10 couples who have, one of them have bipolar, 
don't make it. Their marriages do not last. So we started to do research, read articles and books. They came alongside me and helped me understand more of what I was dealing with. Corey learned how to respond to me, and, and how he learned how to respond has made a world of difference in either helping escalate my moods and emotions or helping calm them. Things like simply reminding me that this is my illness when I'm not being logical or overwhelmed has helped keep these things in better perspective for me. He reminds me that the way I am feeling is temporary and will last forever. I know that how I behave and the thoughts I struggle with, that isn't really who Amos is in her heart. Getting a proper diagnosis is very important. It is not a sign of weakness and actually takes incredible courage and strength. And here's why. It actually brings freedom. Follow me with this. It's actually a relief to know you're not just crazy. I was meeting with a friend a couple weeks ago who was hopeless and barely holding on to her marriage. The more she shared with me about her story, the more I was able to see that it sounded like her husband was some type of form of bipolar. <coughs> I shared some of my story with her and encouraged her and him to go seek out a proper diagnosis. Well, he got tested, and it actually turns out that he does have a form of bipolar. And it was actually a huge belief to both of them. Now they, are, now they know what they are up against. They know how to fight it. They know how to try to treat this horrible monster. They have newfound hope, guys. If you can relate, you too can find hope. There is no circumstance that God cannot reach in and pull you out. There's no circumstance he can't reach in and redeem for his children. Someone needed to hear that today. Let me briefly say something about medication. Some Christians tell you you shouldn't take it because it shows you aren't relying on God. Can I just tell you that this is not the truth? This is not a sign of weakness. I can't begin to even tell you how many times I ask God to heal me. I have the church lay hands on me multiple times. And at times I thought he did, but it always ended up coming back. I encourage anyone who is struggling to seek out professional help because being educated is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Sometimes medication may be necessary for you. Sometimes there are other options. I personally have been on and off meds most of my adult life. Currently, I'm seeking out more holistic treatment to see how much of this is linked to the physical stuff going on in my body. In fact, the National Alliance for Mental Institute encourages people to first seek out medical care before seeking out psychological care. You see, there is often a misconception that mental illness is only psychological, but there are many physiological issues that can contribute to it, or even a chemical imbalance in your mind. Because of these misconceptions, we often treat people differently who have these silent illnesses. Take a look at this cartoon I found. 
As you can see, the one guy on the top is feeling this. I feel like I'm dying. We need to get you to the hospital ASAP. Below, mental illness. I feel like I'm dying. This may be an extreme example, but just try and remember a lot of people who have it a lot worse than you. Think about that, guys. One of the hardest things about having a mental illness is feeling like you have to suffer in silence because it is often misunderstood. It's like having a cancer that no one sees. Now let me take you back to something more recent in my life. Corey and I moved from Phoenix to Colorado Springs about nine months ago because we knew God was calling us here and we needed to be obedient. I was concerned that the big move would and stress would trigger my depression and unfortunately it did. I spent nearly three months with a dark cloud looming over me. No matter how hard I prayed, listened to praise music, read the Bible, it wasn't breaking. Pain sucks, doesn't it? When you get to such places of hopelessness, and knowing that you did what God asked you to do, but you still land in a dark place, it is defeating. Logic is thrown out and belief is challenged. It's like you know in your heart what God says, but your mind just can't go there. Just so others understand, sometimes it's hard to understand this illness, whether or not it is my illness, or it's a spiritual warfare and the devil trying to get at me and my thoughts. This is what I believe. I believe the devil comes in and he prays on our weaknesses. Praise P-R-E-Y-S is what I'm going to say there, so. I want to share something with you that I'm not proud of, but if it can some, help someone else in this place right now, it's worth it. The devil wants you to hide. He wants you to think that you are the only one. The truth is you are not. First Peter 5, 9 says, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Please let my transparency make you more courageous with, with whatever battle it is you are facing as I read this. This poem that I wrote was written to God in the depths of my pain this past summer. And keep in mind, this is actually one of my more hope-filled poems. I'm so depressed. I'm so tormented. Day in and day out, all I feel is doubt. Doubt that I will ever be better knowing it will always return. Doubt I will ever get healthy believing this sickness has no answers. Doubt that I can keep fighting, fighting to live another day. Doubt that my kids won't be screwed up because of me in such a huge way. Doubt I will be able to help others as I can't even really help myself. Doubt that God really cares, who leaves me to keep suffering this cruel sickness that robs me of everything. Still, I will serve him. Still, I will seek him. Still, I will trust him, because I have nothing else. 
Sorry guys, it gets me choked up every time. <clears throat> so guys, I don't normally feel the way the poem depicts about God or myself, but I want to give you a peek into the soul of a person filled with despair. You see, it's possible that life can be going great around you, but you can still struggle with depression. Some of you may have felt this way or maybe you're feeling this way now. Maybe you've asked yourself the question, why do I feel so down when my life isn't that bad? This can be one of the most frustrating parts of depression. But even in the midst of all the pain and confusion, there can be hope because hope triumphs over doubt. Let me say that again. Hope triumphs over doubt. So guys, let me share with you some of the things I've learned and how I view that this terrible illness has been a blessing in disguise. First of all, dependence is necessary. Probably one of the biggest things that has taught me is dependence upon God. I have to depend on God sometimes moment by moment, much like Jesus did when he walked this earth. He was constantly dependent upon the Father. You can see that Jesus was submitting himself to God. God wants us to humbly submit to him. But we try often to be self-sufficient. That is called pride, my friends. And we do it way too much. It reminds me of something that Bob, Bob Goff says. Comfortable people don't need Jesus. Desperate people do. I can find myself needing to be desperately dependent upon God. I'm strong. Perhaps one of the biggest things I've learned is how incredibly strong I really am in God. My faith is deep and solid. You too are incredibly strong, my friend, but you have to lean into God's strength. I can relate to the Apostle Paul when he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. For when I am weak, I am strong. I too countless times have asked God to remove this from me, but I know he is made perfect in my weakness. I used to feel guilt and shame, but now I realize that he is glorified through my struggle if I allow him to be. Will you too allow him to be glorified in your weakness so his strength can shine out? For when I am weak, I am strong. Don't hide your weaknesses in the dark. Expose them to the light and find strength and healing. A much needed purpose. Like I said in the beginning, God has used this to shape his purpose for my life. He wants me to help others that are broken because I too often feel broken. I find reason 
recently when I start to feel down or motivated, it helps me to focus on others and the pain that they are going through. If I can meet a friend who's going through a tough time and share her burden, it takes my eyes off myself because depression can often be self-centered. Since I know this disease is like that, one of the best ways to combat it is by helping others. I have to remember that when I am in despair, the calling God has placed on my life, and that there is a purpose in the pain. I encourage you as well to use your pain to help others, whatever that may be. Psalms 40, 1 through 3, 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on the solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Something else I learned, guys, is compassion is key. Love is sacrifice displayed through compassion when we focus on others through our own suffering and vulnerability. Let me say that again. Someone needs to hear this. Love is sacrifice displayed through compassion when we focus on others through our own suffering and vulnerability. When I am vulnerable, it allows others to open up to me and feel safe knowing I'm not going to look down on them. I'm much less judgmental than what I used to be when I was younger. I feel like I have no right to judge with how messed up my thoughts can be sometimes. Do you feel the same way too? Creating a culture of acceptance. There's something else we've learned. In our family, we have three kids. Seven, four, and 21 months. We are forgiving and accepting of each other. We try to create an environment that it's okay to mess up and not be perfect. They see me being open when I'm having a bad day and my illness is acting up. They see me being quick to say I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness. They know that when they too act out, we love them no matter what. Much like God's love for us isn't based on our behavior. I've recently had more good days than bad days, so most of the time I'm able to be patient with them. But when I'm having a tough time, we make sure they know. We don't try to hide it. Quick side note, guys. Please know when you see me at church, I'm not just being fake and trying to pretend. I've learned that it's far more effective to not pretend and to be open when I'm struggling. So people ask me, I usually let them know. And last but not least, something else we've learned, the cost of negativity. 1 Peter 3.10 says, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongues from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. When I was going through a period of time with intense thoughts of negativity, God brought this verse to my mind. 
Everything that seemed to be coming out of my mouth was critical and I didn't know why. We were even on vacation in San Diego and having an amazing time. This verse reminded me to not speak the untruths out loud that I'm thinking in my mind. I can tell you as soon as I had this realization, it started to make a world of difference for me. I am hopeful that some of the things I've learned from my illness can bring light to whatever darkness you are facing right now. I would humbly like to make some practical suggestions for you to know how you can help someone who is hurting. So to get this conversation going, let's take a look at this short video on empathy by psychologist Brene Brown. So what is empathy and why is it very different from sympathy? Empathy fuels connection, sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's, a, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or I'll recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space where someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So, I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now, I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Okay guys, so you can see this video can be applied to more than just mental illness. But I suggest the next time you want to say someone, say something to someone who's going through a tough time, 
and I know it helps me, is it's going to be okay. I will walk with you and love you even when I don't understand it. I accept you. You don't have to pretend or hide around me. This doesn't mean that you need to take on the role of their savior, but you let them know that you love and care without judgment. You might not understand what they are going through, but 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. If you guys noticed, I highlighted the all in that verse. He comforts us in all our troubles, so we can comfort those with any trouble. So, <clears throat> don't ignore it, or try to give advice, or try to even fix it or silver line it. That doesn't help, guys. Just continue to remind them that you are there for them, no matter what, because we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. If I can take a moment and please address the parents whose teens are struggling right now. If they are struggling, guys, with depression or, or whatever it may be and they're coming to you, please take it seriously and get help. Don't ignore it and hope it goes away. Don't just pray harder and hope it disappears. God could choose to heal it, but maybe this, like me, is part of their story. You see, too many teens are taking their own lives. How you respond is essential because your teens will eventually stop coming to you. They will turn elsewhere, or they will be fighting an inward battle you may know nothing about based on if they don't feel like they're really being heard. So please take it serious. For those struggling right now with your own battle, mine might be depression, but yours can look different. So with those who have OCD, I am not a stranger to this. Anxiety. You are not alone, my friend. Eating disorders. You are beautiful. PTSD. You are strong. Addictions. You got this. Keep fighting. And if you're suicidal right now, hold on another day, my friend. Reach out. My dear friends, please do not do this alone. Even if you've opened up in the past and have been hurt and abandoned, try trusting again. Try not to take it personal. Many times they just don't understand. They don't know how to help. There are those who can stand by your side and love you regardless. I know this because I've had those people in my life who have stood by my side throughout the years. 
Shout out to Emily Pennington. She's one of them. And I'm thankful. Your life is worth it. As a matter of fact, I highly recommend if you find yourself in a real bad place, remove dangerous things from your home that could tempt you. That is why we personally don't have guns in our house. But my husband told me to add this in. He is a dead eye with a slingshot. So don't <laughs> <laughs> it is also important to practice self-care. Try to know your boundaries and triggers and try to stick with them even if others don't understand. If you would like to hear some things that I personally do to help me be the best I can be, I'll talk with you. Come, come talk with me. On a spiritual level, guys, focus on praise, prayer, and scripture, even if you don't believe it at that moment. Humble yourself before God. Try not to listen to the lies and see what he might be trying to teach you. Move on and forgive yourself when you mess up. Don't dwell on it. This is huge and important to remember. Remember your feelings are temporary. They will get better. Some days all you can do is say, help me God. He knows and understands. Don't give up and list someone to pray for you, even if it's a prayer text. Perhaps the most important thing you can do is to keep Christ's center focus of your thoughts in your mind. He will pull you through. For my guy friends who are struggling, just know that society has not been kind to you when it comes to emotion. There is so much shame involved in it for you because you have always been taught that you have to be tough and can't show emotion. That is a downright lie, guys. Jesus himself had and showed strong emotions. King David, a man after God's own heart, had and wrote about strong emotions. Too many guys commit suicide more than females because they feel like they have so much shame involved in it that they feel like they can fix it right away. And not a soul around them knows that they are struggling. You are actually incredibly strong, my friend. Don't give up and reach out. What you guys need to know today is that this illness may always be a part of my life if God chooses to never take it away. Even this week in knowing I would be speaking, I had some anxiety and OCD flare-ups. I still have good days and I have bad days. However, I don't have to face this alone and neither do you. You see, one day, Every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. One day, pain will be a thing of the past. One day, we will be able to see Jesus face to face. Until that day, let's all stay in this fight together. Carry each other's burdens. And look to the light in this dark world. Pain sucks, yes. But God gave me this verse during my three-month depression, and this can be for you too. 
my peace, my comfort, my hope in this. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalms 27, 13 through 14. If you got some time, I want to pray. I want to pray for those of you hurting right now. Father, we just bow before you, Lord. I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you are sovereign, you are in control, and you are our mighty conqueror, Lord. You are victorious, Jesus, and I thank you that that same victory can pass to us, Father. I pray right now that you will reach in, Lord, to all those who are hurting right now, Father, that you will comfort them, Lord, in a way that only you can. I pray you will give them courage and boldness to face another day, that you will give them courage to reach out and be vulnerable, Lord. I pray that they will not have to do this on their own, Lord. Equip them, empower them, and provide for them, Lord. Provide for your people, Jesus. Draw them to you, Father. Allow them this to be something displayed amazing in their life, Lord, that can bring you the glory, Jesus. We praise you and we thank you for who you are, Lord. We praise you in the good and the bad. You are a good Father. Lord, I pray for those who need to know how to help others. I pray that you will help them to have more empathy and sympathy, Lord. I pray that you will help cast out judgment from their mind and their hearts, Lord. That you will give them the love of Christ. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for today. And I pray, Father, that this uh, message will be able to reach someone right now who needs it, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Here at Trace, uh, we want to celebrate vulnerability. We want to celebrate authenticity, not because uh, it makes us look good, uh, and not because we just want to share our sad stories, but because in the midst of our vulnerability, God receives glory. It's, it's called a full understanding of grace. You see, when we open ourselves up and we show the weaknesses that we have and the things that have been done to us and the things that we do in life, what it allows God to do is put his stamp of grace on it and be further elevated. And in addition to that, what it does is it allows other people to be drawn to us. And I can just tell you all from experience, by my wife being willing to open up and share some of her story and, and let you into the darkness of her life, what it does is it allows you to go, you know what, I have the ability to share the things that I'm going through. Whether it be addictions or depression or other mental illnesses that you have going on. That's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a church that, that is welcoming to all the struggles that you go through. We want to walk with you and help you through that. And that is part of our story. We want to invite you into our story. One of the things you need to know about this, though, is um, Amber shared some of the pain from her side of things. Um, there's pain uh, on my side of things. Walking with somebody who's going through mental illness. It is our disease, even though it is something that she struggles through. And uh, for, a, for the longest time, uh, my, my perception of that, my thoughts on that was simply uh, she's weak. She just needs to get stronger, and she needs to persevere through this. What I've come to find out is that it takes incredible strength for somebody to wake up every day not wanting to live and to get through that day. 
My wife is incredibly strong. And I think you're, yes, absolutely. And I thank her not only for her courage to share this with you guys, but also the things that she's taught me in, in this life about being able to open up my own weaknesses and be vulnerable. And for a long time, um, I would see her in those dark places, and I, I wouldn't want to go where she's at because I didn't want to enter into that darkness. There's a, there's a movie um, Robin Williams was in um, before his death. And it was, it was uh, a movie about heaven and hell, but it really wasn't about heaven and hell. It was really about entering into his wife's pain. And he actually had to leave heaven and go to the depths of despair and, and sit there in the darkness of her pain where she committed suicide. And I had no clue what this was about. And I didn't like it because I didn't like to see it like this. But, but that is what is required of us that are sitting on this side of heaven to be able to do with those people that are sitting on that side of hell. Matter of fact, we have the privilege, we have the privilege to be able to enter into those places because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He left the glories of heaven and he entered into the, the depths of darkness and despair of hell here so that he can experience all that we've experienced in this life and let us know that we have a God that, that knows us. And we're going to touch base more on this next week. But for right now, we're going to enter into a time of response. And it's all about responding to the fact that God left heaven to come to the darkness that we endure. He laid his life down on the cross so that we might be able to have hope and to endure and persevere in this life so that we might be able to see that day when there is no more fears or tears or pain or heartache. That's the promise that he's made. So every week what we do here at Trace is we have an opportunity to respond to that. We'll have some communion tables that are set up here. Come feel free to, to participate in that and take heart that God understands the pain that you're going through. In addition, we have uh, some offering containers up here that you can give to the work here at Trace, doing the things that we are doing. And for those of you all that are either struggling with some kind of mental illness or depression, or you know somebody that's doing that, we have some prayer stations in the back. They are unmanned, but let me plead with you. Don't bear that pain alone. Share it with us. Put it on the card. Let us pray for you tomorrow. And if you'd like us to follow up with you and to have a conversation, put your name on there and contact information. My wife and I would be happy to enter into the darkness that you're experiencing right now. Will you pray with me? And then these guys are going to sing a song. You'll have an opportunity during this next time to respond. Um, and maybe in response, just sit right where you're at and listen to these words. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to do these things alone, that you understand us. Thank you for the courage for people like my wife and others who are willing to open up and declare and just to, to, to open up a door for others to be able to share the same kind of things that are going on in their lives. Father, we take heart in knowing that hope triumphs over the pain and doubt that we experience in this life. Yes, pain sucks, but you know our good. Jesus,